Hey, this is Rich and welcome to the VU Church Podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe today so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. Starting next week, we kick off VU Summer Vibes, where we'll be joined by our friends and family for the next four weeks. You don't want to miss any of the weeks. In today's message, I discuss how obedience and persistence trumps our own willpower. My message today is entitled, Just Keep Dipping. I want to challenge your faith to a new level of commitment and reliance on God. Let's listen together. Second Kings chapter five, for the last few weeks, I have been drawing our attention to the Old Testament. Even in the Old Testament, you can find the gospel message. You can see traces and outlines of our Savior Jesus. And here today, we have the story of a man by the name of Naaman. Second Kings chapter five, can you handle 14 verses? I think you can. Let's let God's word be established in the house. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. Now he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. How many know all of us have a but? Pun intended, but we all have something in our life that's, but I got this, but I have that. Now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Now Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied, and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 sets of clothing. It's funny how we think we can buy our healing. We think we can buy our salvation. That's not how grace works. That's not how the gospel works. Verse six, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Watch what happens in verse seven. The king of Israel read the letter. He tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have this man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. I mean, that's like, that's some like Christian trash talk right there. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times. Everyone say seven times. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I just wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned away and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, some spectacular thing, some alluring thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Verse 14, so, everyone say, so. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean, watch this, like that of a young boy. You ever see that, um, that, that old Christian movie, Finding Nemo? There's this little scene, I've watched every Disney movie you can imagine 28 times with three kids. There's this little scene where they say to Nemo, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And I thought I would take a little bit of a, a bar from Finding Nemo I thought I would, I would rewrite a little bit. I want to preach for the next few minutes from the subject, just keep dipping. Just keep dipping. Come on. How many out there believe you got some faith in your soul that God's going to speak to you? God's going to move in your life. Just keep dipping. Uh, I remember when I was in Bible college, I, I had come home to visit my family uh, for the holidays. And I was, um, I was getting ready to go back. I was, went to school in Cleveland, Tennessee. Not Cleveland, Ohio. That's way too big city for Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, but I was getting ready to say goodbye to my family. 
And the tradition in our house is that we would do these things called a holy huddle before someone leaves. And that is we would be in a huddle position and then we would pray for the person who's going on a journey. And so in this case, my grandmother was there, my parents were there, my brothers were there. And um, we started praying and, and uh, I think my dad was praying. He was really praying heaven down. My dad, he'll start praying and, you know, he says all the names of Jesus. Um, he's praying, traveling mercies. And, and, and somewhere in, in the prayer, my, my grandmother, she broke formation, which is, which is odd. Um, she broke formation and she, she walked over to me. And while we were praying, I was really focused on the prayer. My grandmother, she slipped her hand into my pocket. Now, it's peculiar because I don't normally let just people put their hands in my pocket. Uh, but Nana's like 92, so she can really put her hands in any pocket she wants to. And so she put, something, put her hand in my pocket, but I noticed that she left something in my pocket. Now, this has probably never happened to you because you're very, very spiritual, but sometimes, even when someone's praying, my mind can wander. Sometimes someone can be, you ever met the guy who just prays really long every time? It's just like, I, I just want to eat, bro. <laughs> like, when is it going to be over? And so um, my dad's still praying. You know, he's in the book of, you know, Song of Solomon, calling out Lily of the Valley, Rose the Sharon. I mean, he's, he's deep. And I'm going, I'm, I'm going, what's in my pocket? I know it's not spiritual, but I, I want to confess that I do this. I'm, I, what did my grandmother leave in my pocket? And so finally the prayer finishes and we're all saying goodbye. And I slip my hand in my pocket and I discovered that my grandmother has placed not one of those old like crinkly ones, but one of the ones that like she had just been to the bank or something, a brand new crisp, someone say crisp, a crisp $100 bill. I, I know I was like, this is the year of the Lord's favor, okay? <laughs> I, I did like a Jericho march. I looked for Shafar. I was like, this is the will of the Lord for my life. And thank you, thank you, grandmother. And um, I, I was holding it like, cause how many know, like as a college student, you can eat for like the next three years with a hundred dollars. And so I'm like, this is, this really feels like the Lord's will for me. Thank you so much. And I, I kissed my grandmother, you know, God bless you and go with you. You know, you're amazing. And I love you so much. And please send more money. And, um, and so I say goodbye I went to the airport, I flew, and um, I landed in Atlanta, Georgia, because it was a little bit of a road trip to, there's no airport in Cleveland, Tennessee, so it's about an hour and a half drive, and so you always had to convince a friend, you know, to make a road trip just to pick it from the airport, and I came out to the curb, and I'm waiting on the curb, and it's sort of a silly story, but I'm telling you, it has is, it is shaped a big part of my faith journey, because I'm standing on the curb, and I'm, I'm, I'm still like, God is so good all the time, and all the time, God is good, this is, I got $100, you know, I'm like, thank you, Lord. And as I'm standing there, this like this car, um, it, it pulls up and it's like, uh, I don't know how to be nice about it. It's just, it's beat up, bro. Like it just looked like if the car was a picture of salvation, it's the depravity of man. Okay. It's just, oh, it's, it's backfiring. And this, this little grandmother, she pulls up to me right in front of me. And I, I'm telling you, like, right when she pulls up, it's like the car sort of breathes its last breath. It's just like, like it, like it dies in front of me. I'm like, oh, you know? And this poor woman, she, she tries to turn the key over and it's like, it, it won't start. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh man, you know, poor old woman. Somebody ought to help her, you know? <laughs> and I don't know what it was, but I, but, I, but, I, but I heard this voice speak, Rich, go and give that $100 to her so that she can get a tow truck and get, and get, her, get her car fixed. And um, I responded to that voice, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. Um, <laughs> Why would God want me to help? Yeah, that's not God. That's weird. <laughs> I know none of you have done this, but have you ever done this before? Like God speaks to you and you don't want to do it. And so what do you do? Like you, you literally think that you can like put distance between you and the word of the Lord. You're like, so I, I, I walked away from the scene. I was like, yeah, I bet over here you can't, he can't get me. This is like, this is like Jonah. Okay. Like I'm, I'm getting away, <laughs> but God is no respecter of space. The voice comes back again, Rich, go give that $100 to that woman. I was like, no, no that, there's no way. There's no way the Lord would want me to do this act of benevolence. There's no way. Third time, I hear the Spirit say, Rich, go over there and give the woman the $100. I, I, I finally go, fine. I'm just being honest. You ever do something for God that you don't want to do and you do it with like an angry attitude? You're like, okay, out of all the people, you want to use me, okay. And so I walk over. I'm not even happy to do this. I mean, I'm not, I, there's no joy. I'm angry. This is mine. 
walking over and I'm just, I'm angry about it. And I, I approach the vehicle and I get to the vehicle. It's a true story. I say, hey, ma'am, how are you? Um, my name's Rich and I'm a Christian. And uh, I know it's weird. Sometimes I feel like the Lord speaks to me and he just spoke to me. And anyways, I'm looking at your situation here. Your car's pretty beat up and it looks like you're in need of help. And so, hey, I want to give you this $100. Be blessed and go with God. Like, I think I'm doing something so grand and so great. I'll never forget this woman. She goes, oh, son. She goes, I'm a Christian too. To which I was like, no way. There's more of us out there. I didn't know. Nice to meet you. How are you? God bless you. And she says, Rich, she goes, um, she goes, actually, I, I don't need your money. I said, ma'am. <laughs> yes, you do. She goes, she goes, no, 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 I, I promise you, I've, I've got plenty of money, I'm fine, I, I'm totally okay. I said, ma'am, listen to me. God just told me to give you this money. You're gonna take this money. She's like, no, no, son, I'm not, I don't, I don't need the money. I said, yes, you need, the, I'm arguing with this woman. I'm getting angry now at the woman. First I was angry at God, now I'm angry at the person I'm trying to serve. I'm like, you're gonna take this freaking money because God told me to give it to you. She goes, son, I'm, I'm not taking your money. I was like certain, like honestly, on my walk over, that at any moment as I was doing this wonderful act for God, that the heavens were gonna open up, trumpets were gonna blast, dun, 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 dun. there was gonna be like angel, like Gabriel, I don't know, Michael show up, blonde hair. Uh, Rich just obeyed, yay! But none of that happened. No, instead, I walked away with my hundred dollars! I was like, hey God, kind of missed it on that one. What was that all about? That was weird. It's a funny story, but I'm telling you once again, it has shaped my spiritual journey in more ways than I could ever explain because I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me in that moment. He said, Rich, I was just wondering if you would obey me, even if you didn't get the outcome you wanted. Mother Teresa said, God has not called me to be successful. He's called me to be faithful. I want to remind our church today that your job is always simply obedience. God's job is outcome. I can't do the healing. I can't do the saving. I can't do the delivering. I can't do the breakthrough. All I can do is obey. Jesus said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say he'll make us catchers of men, meaning our job is to fish, his job is to catch. In other words, all we're supposed to do on this faith journey is keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on dipping and dipping and dipping and dipping. I wonder, is there anybody in this house today that would say, that's the word of the Lord for me. I'm gonna keep on obeying God regardless if I get the outcome I'm looking for. The story of Naaman in the Old Testament is a powerful story of this word obedience. And obedience is still this thing that pleases God. Obedience is better than sacrifice is what the Bible says. I know it's not popular preaching in 2021, but there's two things that still please God. Faith and obedience. And obedience doesn't always turn out and create a scenario or a circumstance that makes sense in the natural. Sometimes obedience, it looks like a failure at first. But if you'll keep on dipping, if you'll keep on swimming, if you'll keep on trusting, if you'll keep on believing, in due time, God is telling a story that he's inviting you to be a part of. Obedience is my job. Outcome is God's job. I wanna walk through these 14 verses for a moment, and I just have three basic points to challenge our church today from this idea of keep on dipping. And there's three observations that I see in the text that I think is very important that we in this room understand. If we're gonna to continue to obey God regardless of the outcome, we need to look at this text and we need to discover these observations and apply them to our life. The first observation that I make is that earthly positions do not produce heavenly power. This is an important message, especially for 
a church that's so full of 20-somethings and 30-somethings and people that are stepping into their future. We live in a world right now that we get so focused on the position we have in life. The Apostle Paul said, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many times our problem is that we've got the wrong thought patterns. We've got the wrong perspective. We have the wrong lens. We can be in church, but just because I'm in church doesn't always mean that I'm in Christ. And if I'm not in Christ, I won't take on the lens of Christ. The lens of the world is, is position chooses and dictates your power and it dictates your purpose. But the lens of the kingdom of God is, is that no matter what my position in life is, I always have a purpose from God. Because as we study this story, what you find out is there's all these different positions. The first position is this guy named Naaman. Everyone say Naaman. I'm going to teach you a Bible story today. I'm going back to old school kids church. I'm, I'm, I'm a kids pastor today. I'm about to act. I should act it out. I used to act it out. I'm going to act out the story of Naaman. Naaman is this powerful guy in the world of that time. He's a commander. And he's a commander really in the Assyrian army. And he's influential. He's got wealth. He has money. By all means, he has a great position on earth. But he has a big problem that he can't solve. The scripture says that he's this accomplished commander, but, everyone say, but, but he has leprosy. Leprosy is a disease where, honestly, it's a slow death where your limbs begin to fall off and your skin begins to deteriorate. It was an awful disease. So he has all of this stuff, but he does not have the power to cure his leprosy. Naaman is a picture of somebody who has everything that they want, but not what they need. And even here today, as we look at the scripture, this is really a picture of salvation, that leprosy is really a disease of the flesh, and that is what sin is. It's, it's a disease of our flesh that, that we're dying from the inside out. We can have all of the trappings of this world. You can have all of the titles and all of the position, but as you lay your head down on your pillow at night, you're still plagued with the biggest questions. Why am I here? How come I don't have a sense of purpose? Why am I still depressed? Why am I still hurting? I'll tell you why. It's because you can buy a bed, but you can't buy rest. May we as the body of Christ not fall victim to the thought pattern of the world. Because right there in the story, Naaman's got a problem that he can't solve, but in his house, there is a slave girl from Israel. She was captured from her homeland, and now she's serving in the house of Naaman. And when she hears Naaman's problem, it's like she's been there all the time, but now she has a solution to the problem. She says, if my master would just go to the prophet in Israel, his leprosy could be cured. I like it because it's a juxtaposition. It is a contrast. You have this powerful man on earth, but he's got this position that you would think should solve his problems, but there's some problems that your position can't change. Then you've got this little girl who's got this awful position. She's a slave, yet somehow she is tapped in to a deeper power. She is tapped in to a supernatural power. She has the answer. She has the keys. She has the solution to Naaman's problem. I want to remind some people in this room today, you don't need to live life depressed and discontented because you don't like your job description. If you are in Christ Jesus, just look to this little girl. This little girl doesn't have a big earthly position, but she still has heavenly power. Why? Because she understands that I'm in this position right now for this season, for this moment. I can't tell you how many people I talk to week to week that know Jesus, love Jesus, but they are walking in a depression. They are walking discontented. Why? Because their current assignment is not the assignment that they always thought they would have. They don't like their position in life. And the enemy would love to rob and steal your purpose all based upon a position. God is no respecter of positions. God does not need your title to tell his story. 
If you could get a revelation today that wherever you're at, mountaintop, valley, in the palace or in the pit, whether I'm a commander or if even I'm a slave, I can live my life on mission, ready to give people the good news that God has placed me here for a reason. What if God has you where you're at for a reason? Something tells me you'd wake up tomorrow different. Something tells me that you wouldn't just live for Friday, you wouldn't just live for the weekend, but you could even go to that job, you could even go back to that story that you don't like, you could even go back to that group of people, and you could all of a sudden get the revelation that I have a mission, I'm waiting for the opportune time to tell them about the God that I serve. But it's not just this idea that earthly positions um, they don't produce heavenly power. What I also see quickly here is that earthly vanity steals a heavenly remedy. Because look what happens. Like, like Naaman's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he gets his king to send a letter to the king of Israel. It's funny, the king of Israel, he's got a great position, but he's afraid because he doesn't know how to solve it. He has to call upon the prophet who doesn't have a good position, but has a purpose and has the power of God. So Naaman he gets his chariots all loaded up. He gets all the gold that he has and he heads out to the prophet of Elisha. And watch what happens. So Naaman went with the horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go, wash yourself seven times. Everyone say seven times. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. I want you to see this. Earthly vanity will steal a heavenly remedy. Naaman makes his way towards Elisha, but when he gets there, Elisha doesn't even come out to him. Once again, Elisha sends another servant out to Naaman. And the servant says, go over to the Jordan River and dip in it seven times. And when you dip in it seven times, you will be cleansed. But listen to Naaman's response. The scripture says he becomes angry and he says, I thought. I thought. You ever get caught by your thoughts? I thought he would have come out to me. I thought he would have stood next to me. I thought he would have done something amazing, like wave his hand over me, over the spot where the leprosy is, and it would be gone. That's what I thought. The scripture says that he goes off in a rage. Why? Because it was not what he thought. Some of you, that, that's what happened in your marriage, right? You got married, and it's like, you know, this is not what I thought. Some of you, 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 you signed up for the job. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, this is gonna like take hard work? Okay, this is not what I thought. It's not what I thought coming to church. It's, it's not what I thought trying to follow Jesus. We have to be careful that our perspective doesn't become polluted with pride. Because it's the pride of Naaman that's preventing him from the solution and the remedy of God. Look at what he says. He says, in verse 12, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. You wanna know why you keep going off in life? It's not because of what's happening around you, it's because of what's happening inside of you. Pride is the root of all anger. We're angry because we're self-absorbed. We're angry because we're only thinking about ourselves. And Naaman gets there and goes, this is not what I thought. I wanted it to be done a different way. I'm not gonna go dip in that muddy river. I have beautiful rivers back in Damascus. What's happening is that his vanity is robbing him of the remedy of heaven. What if God's gonna heal you? He's just not gonna heal you in the way you thought he was gonna heal you. You know that when Jesus did miracles, in fact, he heals like something like seven different blind people in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every time he heals someone that's blind, he does it a different way. Every time, what if you're like, wait, no, I heard the story of how you healed the other guy. This is not what I thought. 
One time he walks a guy out of the village and his eyesight comes back to him. It's a process. Another guy, he puts his hands on him. One guy, one guy shows up and Jesus is like, hey, stand right there. <laughs> Spits. Whoa, not what I thought. I don't really want to be healed. I didn't know that I was going to have to have the saliva of the Savior. Not what I thought, not what I thought. What if God wants to use you? It's just not what you thought. What if he's gonna fulfill your dreams? He's just not gonna fulfill your dreams in the way you thought he was gonna do it. What if you are called to ministry full time? Just not the way you thought. I wonder how many people are gonna live in prison to the wrong mindset, the mindset of pride that is paralyzing you and keeping you from the solution and the remedy of heaven. You don't have to be bound in that problem. You gotta open up your mind. You gotta humble yourself to receive what God has for you. God, whatever you're calling me to do, I will do it. people that are watching online and you're angry with your problems because you refuse God's solutions. This is a day to come alive and recognize, wait a minute, is this your vanity that's stealing God's remedy? The only way you can receive the remedy of God is through this word humility. Always. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for servants that would humble themselves before the Lord. And what does it say? And he will lift you up. What if I told you, you don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to lift yourself up. You don't have to market yourself. He's really good at lifting people up. He's just looking for someone who would humble themselves and say, if you want me to go dip in the Jordan River, I'll go and dip in the Jordan River. It's amazing, right? Because, um, when you're riddled with pride, you'll start giving yourself your own prescriptions. No, 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 pastor. This is a cute message for others. Thank you, it's cute. I appreciate it, but um, this is not what I thought. Um, I know exactly what I'm doing here. Really? Name it. If you can cure yourself, go cure yourself. Name it. If you can heal yourself, why haven't you done it yet? So he goes off in a rage. I wonder how many people are even here today that you're just dealing with anger. You're angry at yourself. You're angry at everybody else. You're angry at God. And what does it come down to? It comes down to the simple fact that it didn't turn out the way you thought. So he goes off, but look at this. Another servant. Man, I want to put this in the, in the heart of our church. There's like three key servants in it. You don't get their names, just their servants. Watch, one of Naaman's servants. Look at this. One of Naaman's servants, verse 13, went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, I'm gonna put some other words, some alluring thing, some magical thing, some spectacular thing, some phenomenal thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleansed? What is the servant coming to Naaman with? The servant is coming to Naaman and he's challenging him. He's saying, yo, you ever notice that we're all obsessed with the spectacular, but we completely overlook the regular? This is a big thing, honestly, like for many of us, even in this room, is that like you want God to always show up in some mystical way. You want to hear God say, take the $100, go to the woman, and you want to get there, and you want her to say, oh my goodness, why are you giving me $100? Well, because I follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Then she gets saved, then her back gets healed, and then her kids get healed, and all of a sudden a car shows up, and it's not just a car, it's a Bentley, and you guys both drive off, you start a church, and everyone has a revival. That's what I want. No, it's because you're obsessed with the spectacular and you keep overlooking the regular. We all want a blessing. Not sure if I want responsibility. I want to be a part of a church that has a revival. I just don't want to do anything to see a revival come about. And we confuse basic with minor. So Rich, what are you talking about? This is important. Because that's what this servant is saying. This servant's coming to him and he's like, yo, he's just asked you to do something really basic. 
but you are overlooking it. You think it's minor. Basic and minor don't mean the same thing. Basic by definition means fundamental. There are fundamental things that God asks us to do. They're not overly complicated. They're not overly spectacular. They're called basic. But just because it's basic doesn't mean it's small, doesn't mean it's trivial, doesn't mean that it's insignificant. In fact, most of the time, the thing that appears trivial is actually fundamental. It's fundamental. I can go all throughout the Bible and I can show you story after story where guys did incredible acts that were supernatural and powerful, but before they saw the supernatural, they did something in the natural. Go to Acts 28. That's a fun story. Paul ends up after a shipwreck, the greatest apostle we have ever seen. Shipwreck ends up on a shore and they build a fire. It's a whole entire story where this fire is crafted out of the fire, a viper shows up out of, the, out of the fire and it bites Paul. Everyone goes, he is being judged by God. This is a bad man. He's surely gonna die. I love Paul. He does a little Taylor Swift. He just shakes it off. Scripture says he shakes the viper off back into the fire. And moments later, when he doesn't die, everybody on the island goes, wait a minute. You're actually a God because you haven't died. And then actually, Paul takes the moment to share the gospel. The fire, which looked unpleasant, the fire, which looked to send the thing that was going to attack him and abuse him and hurt him, was actually the thing that God was going to use to bring about his message and his truth. But you know what's fascinating to me? And maybe you miss it when you read Acts 28. What's fascinating to me is Paul was the one who went and gathered the wood and the twigs to build the fire. Say, Rich, I'm not falling. I'm telling you the great supernatural work of the fire and the viper, that's the story. No one tells the story about Paul soaking wet, grabbing firewood. That's not the story we tell. That's not what we lean into. But it's those of us that are children of God that have made a commitment. I'm just going to keep on dipping. I'm just going to keep on dipping. We understand that the big man never refuses the small task because it's not minor. It's basic. I've been pastoring for over a decade now. It is the greatest joy of my life getting to serve God's people and to build his house. A lot of things I can do in this life, this is the thing I choose to do. Are you called to it? I think so. If not, I volunteer for it. This is what I want to do. But I am amazed how I talk to people from all walks of life that claim to follow Jesus, but they don't do the most basic commands. And they want the remedy of heaven, but it's their pride that's preventing them from doing basic. Like, basic, love one another. That's what we're talking about today, really. I'm looking for keys to breakthrough. You'll never get a breakthrough if you don't understand how to love your brother and sister. It's it's not minor, it's basic. How about forgive others? Have you ever thought about how crazy that is? That we who've received forgiveness, like if you're a Christian, like let's just take a moment. In order to appreciate the good news, you have to really understand the bad news. Like, it's really, really bad news. Like, I wasn't bad. I was dead. I didn't make a few wrong decisions. I was born dead. I'm a sinner. Nothing I could do to save myself, but I received this free gift. I couldn't pay for it. I couldn't earn it. My accolades, my pedigree, my parents, nobody could do it for me. I had to receive from Jesus. How on earth can I receive that forgiveness and then withhold that forgiveness from others? But you wonder why you live offended, why you live jealous, why, why you're plagued with envy. You, you wonder why you go through life so full of resentment. Why do you think In your mind, everybody's out to get you. Because they are, Rich. Everyone's out to get me. Now, maybe it's your vanity today. Maybe you're so self-absorbed that you haven't taken the basic remedy of heaven, which is in order to forgive others, then you can truly receive the forgiveness you've been looking for. You're bound. 
broken. It's gotten complicated. It's not minor, it's basic. Don't forsake the gathering of the saints. We're not here today for a performance. We're not here today because our favorite preacher's talking. We're not here today because we're hoping the worship team's gonna play our favorite song. We're here because there's a command that we don't forsake the gathering. So we show up, come hell or high water. If we wake up and the kids don't wanna go to church, guess what, they don't have an opinion. My house, dad, I don't wanna go to church. Well, then you could die. Okay, we'll go to church. Because I'm not, I'm not doing something out of convenience, I'm doing something out of, out of conviction. Baptism, not minor, it's basic. Jesus said, repent and be baptized. I know, but Rich, I hear what you're saying, man, but like, yo, I didn't really come prepared and I got like my favorite shoes on and whatnot, yo, dog. I'm not ready to do that. Hey, don't let your vanity make you miss out on God's remedy. Someone say, just keep dipping. I gotta close. Number three, basic observation. Earthly persistence is a part of the heavenly process. Naaman, he thought God was gonna do it one way, but he's doing it a different way. Why? Because God's process is always different from how you think it's gonna be. The word process insinuates that there's steps, that there's layers, that it's not just overnight. It, it, it truly is over time. But Naaman, he makes a decision, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. He's finally stepping into an act of obedience. He's finally recognizing that my position can't save me. There might be a power that comes from something greater than my position. I gotta let go of my pride. I actually gotta go and humble myself and get into the dirty, muddy waters of the Jordan. I know back home, I got all those pristine waters, but God's called me to do this. God God's called me to gather twigs. God's called me to gather the wood in order for the fire to be built. And so I'm just gonna trust him. I'm going to trust the process. Here's my question today. Will you trust the process before you have proof of the progress? Because that is the call of being a disciple of Jesus. I'm gonna keep dipping. I'm gonna keep Trusting. I want progress, but I don't want the process. No, friends, you and I here on earth, our persistence, it matters. I can't all the way explain it, but I could show you in scriptures that over and over again, we serve a God who is sovereign, but he also expects man to be responsible. So there's this tension, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Most of the blessings in my life, I did not do anything for them, but there are certain things that I have discovered on this journey that because of my persistence, because of my desire, because of my pursuit, I've seen breakthrough, I've seen healing, I've seen restoration. The question is, how bad do you want it? Are, are you willing to persist here on earth? Because something happens when I persist in the natural, something takes place in the supernatural. The woman with the issue of blood, she had an issue of blood for 12 years. She had gone to doctors, she had been everywhere. But one day Jesus is coming by and she makes a decision, I'm going after him. And so she pushes back past the crowd. She looks silly, it's slightly embarrassing. But as she finally gets to Jesus, she simply touches the hem of, her, of his garment. And as she reaches out in faith, Jesus recognizes that he has been touched and she is instantly healed. You tell me, if she doesn't reach out, does she receive the healing? I, I know he's sovereign, I know he's good, I know he has a plan, but I also think that we have free will. I think he also loves us so much that he gives us a choice. And I'm choosing today to pursue, to persist, to keep on dipping. Why? Because spiritual greatness doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily. It happens daily. So Naaman says, that's it. I'll obey. And the scripture says that he walks his way over to the Jordan and he makes a decision that day that was for him probably a big one. He, he decides to step into the muddy river water of the Jordan River. How many know stepping in is, well, it's the first step of the process. I know there's people here today and every week it happens here at VU that this is like your first time ever in a church. Like, this is different. This is okay, I'm here. Like, what? 
Has, has everything changed? Is, is it all different? No, nah, it's just part of the process. I don't have magic for you. I, I don't have something spectacular for you. I have a call for you that you would live a life of commitment, that you would choose even when you can't sense him and even when you can't feel him, that you would choose. I'm gonna trust him. I'll trust you, Jesus. So Naaman's in the Jordan. He's like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna obey. And so he told me to dip seven times. He says, oh, I'm dipping. I'm just, I'm just going to dip. I'm just, I'm just going to dip. And he dips and I don't know what he was thinking, but maybe he came out of the water after dipping one time and he's like, do I look different? Is my leprosy gone? But his leprosy wasn't gone. He, he, he was still the same, even though he had dipped. I mean, anyone can do something one time. Yeah, I'm going I'm to obey again. I'm going I'm to dip a second time. So he dips a second time and he comes out. Do I look different? It's always funny to me because we come to church, right? It's like, I've been to church two weeks in a row. Everything should be different. Yo, bro, I went to both steps of the growth track. I don't really see anything different yet. I tithed one time. Still haven't gotten a spiritual blessing. I'm waiting for that finance. I'm waiting for checks in the mail. I'm waiting for treasures in the backyard. Where are they at? Not magic. It's obedience. All right, I'm gonna dip a third time. And he dips a third time and he comes out and still, there's nothing different. You know, Elisha had said seven times. Everyone say seven times. Seven matters, you know. Elisha really liked numbers. You can read a few chapters later, 2 Kings chapter 13, I believe. One of the kings of Israel comes to Elisha and he's afraid of an enemy that's coming to attack. And Elisha gives him a basic command. Take your arrows and strike them on the ground. So the king goes and he obeys and he strikes the arrows one, two, three, and he comes back. And when he comes back, Elisha rebukes him. And Elisha says, that was foolish. Your enemy, you will destroy your enemy three more times. But because you only struck the ground three times, you should have struck the ground five times or six times or seven times. Had you struck the ground more times, your enemy would have been completely destroyed. You say, Rich, why are you telling me the story? I'm telling the story because we have to have a mindset shift in the body of Christ. I'm not asking, hey, what is the bare minimum to get by? The new question becomes, God, I wanna give everything that I have. I don't just wanna strike the ground three times. I wanna keep on dipping and keep on dipping, even if I don't see something turn around. I'm going for it. Sometimes, you know, at four, it's like, this is awesome, bro. I've been doing this for a month now, bro. I went to all four steps. I'm ready to be a leader. I'm ready for breakthrough. But I don't know what it is. We all have a different threshold, right? Some of you, it's like, you've been dipping 72 times. Others of you, it's like, you dip twice. You're like, I'm out. Like, we all have this different threshold of pain. But it's moments like this that we have to decide what it is that we believe. Am I in charge of the outcome? I am not. I can only control my obedience. Therefore, I've been dipping four times, but I'm still just gonna keep on dipping. I'm gonna go five times. I'm gonna keep trusting his word. Sometimes in life, you're trusting God and you're doing all the right stuff. You're dipping and you're believing, you're trusting, but you still don't see growth. You still don't see something change. I was reading this past week about these bamboo trees in, in China that they have to be watered every single day for five years straight. In fact, if you miss one day, they say that the bamboo, bamboo tree can, can die instantly. But if you'll just consistently water it, they say after five years, over a 42 day period, that little tree grows to 80 feet tall. Say, so Rich, what's the point of the story? The point of the story is, is that many times we get fatigued and many times we get tired. Many times we wanna give up and many times we wanna quit. But it's in those moments that we don't just have to be persistent because persistence, it means you'll get it. But it's consistency that ensures that you'll keep it.
I'm just gonna keep on dipping. I'm just gonna keep on dipping. And so we go six times, right? We dip six times and six feels cool, but how many know six is the number of man? Six is what I can do in my own strength. Six is my own mindset. Six is my own perspective. Six is my own willpower. But I actually believe what God has for you is gonna require you to step outside of your own willpower and you're gonna actually have to get inspired and motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Seven is actually the number of completion. Seven is actually the number of perfection. Seven is God's number. And in the Bible, we see stories where seven is important. One that comes to my mind is when they get to the walls of Jericho and they march around these walls six times, but on the seventh time, they are now commanded to shout and to lift their voice. And when they shout and when they lift their voice on the seventh time, that's when the walls come crashing down. Anybody got some faith today that your walls are coming crashing down? Anybody got a belief today in a supernatural God who can bring down the barriers, who can destroy the obstacles, who can bring healing to your story? This is called faith. This is called commitment. Knowledge says, I know he can do it. Faith says, I know he will do it. But I'm talking about something deeper today. And that is the word called commitment. Because commitment says, even if he doesn't do it, you're gonna find me at the Jordan, just dipping and dipping and dipping. That's all I know to do. When I don't know what to do, I just keep on dipping. I'm going a seventh time. And when it comes out a seventh time, his skin is completely restored. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Naaman came out of the Jordan dripping. Just dripping. Just straight dripping. And it looked foolish. But he finally discovered that which he was looking for because the scripture says that his skin was restored to that of a young boy. It's important that you see that. Because it wasn't simply a physical healing that Naaman was after. He was after a spiritual healing. And it is a type and a shadow of a picture of salvation. That salvation is not just you about getting rid of your earthly ailments and your earthly sickness. It's about your heart being transformed. The reason why his skin was like that of a young boy is because it was a picture of new birth. And this is why Jesus says to Nicodemus, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. Nicodemus, you must be born again. And ladies and gentlemen today, it doesn't matter what you accomplish, and it doesn't matter what you get, you must be born again in Jesus. You must come out dripping. You must decide today that I want what he has for me, and the only way I get it is just to keep on Dipping. Someone say, just keep dipping. Just keep dipping. Just keep dipping. Seventh time, it was complete. Seventh time, he was restored. There's restoration here today. It might not happen the way you thought. In fact, the process of heaven is, it typically never happens the way you thought. But I'm going to leave the outcome to God. And I'm gonna walk in obedience. I'm just gonna keep on dipping. As you find your seat, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I just wonder if you're here today. Say, Rich, you look ridiculous. I know that's the whole point. It's the whole point. God's not impressed with my job description, my titles, my accomplishments. His power, the power of the gospel, the good news. You can't steal my identity. You, you, you can't steal my purpose. I love the assignment that I'm walking in, but if my assignment changes, my, my, my purpose still remains. I don't want 
to lose the remedy of heaven because of my vanity, because of my pride. I want to persist. I want to be a part of the process of heaven. So I'm, I'm just going to keep dipping. When I don't know what to do, I just keep dipping. Keep believing. And today, as you're in this room, that's the call for you. You want to surrender your life to Jesus. You want to come out of that water with skin like a young boy because you've been born again. New life. Total restoration. Salvation. How's that happen, Rich? Well, the scripture says that we believe and we confess. Naaman thought he could, he could buy it. You can't buy it. Can't achieve it. You just, you just receive it. There is a God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. But it starts with you trusting him. You repenting and you turning towards him. So if that's you today, before we go to baptism, on the count of three, if that's you, you say, Rich, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Would, would you just be bold and would you lift your hand up high enough and long enough just so I can see it? I wanna, I wanna include you in this prayer of salvation. Hands are going up all over this place. I'm gonna count to three, ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just lift it up, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Jesus. Right there at your chair. Put your hands down. Can we just all pray this prayer together collectively? Say, dear Jesus, today I surrender all that I am over to you. Forgive me, Lord. I give you my past. Lord, I give you my, my, my present. And I even trust you with my future. Lord, I believe you are who you said that you are. So today, Lord, I choose to obey you. I'm just gonna keep dipping and believing that you are the God who is working it out. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, church. Can we go ahead and just give every person a, a round of applause today? Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.